0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by that same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Joseph, Saint John the Baptist, Saints Perpetua and Felicity, Saint Augustine, Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint John of the Cross, St. Therese of Lisieux, all you holy angels and saints of God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody uh, to part two of our talk on prayer, uh, what it is, why it's important, and how to do it. Uh, Just a quick review of last week's talk. Uh, I'm not going to go into nearly as much detail, but just if you didn't make it to that one, just a few thoughts. And then a reminder that both of these are being recorded, uh, so you can go back and listen to them. So the type of prayer that we're talking about, if you remember, the Catechism distinguishes three broad categories or types of prayer. Vocal prayer, meditation, and contemplation. And we're primarily talking about prayer in the sense of meditation and contemplation, which can kind of be summed up in the idea of mental prayer. Whereas vocal prayer, using specific words, formulas, the prayers that we you know, say before meals, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, prayers that we address to God right, are, are considered vocal prayer. They're important. They're necessary. They're the foundation uh, of us learning to pray, learning to address God. They're part of our, our life of prayer until the day that we die. So we never get rid of vocal prayer. But also, vocal prayer is the lowest form of prayer, right? We want to strive to grow beyond vocal prayer into what the church refers to as mental prayer, which is more of an intimate dialogue, a conversation, a communion with God. If you think about vocal prayer, it's us talking to God. That's not a conversation. That's a monologue. Right. Mental prayer involves us also listening to God and having a back and forth, a dialogue, an intimate communion and encounter, engaging our mind and our heart to know God and to love God. Right. Analogously to how we enter into a friendship, how we enter into a relationship, how you enter into marriage. Right. There's this deep, intimate sharing of oneself and then receiving the gift of the other. Uh, That's what God invites all of us to as his beloved children. So we're talking a little bit more primarily about meditation, which is kind of the initial stage of mental prayer, but then meditation, uh, if practiced with fidelity, perseverance, generosity, uh, is meant to eventually lead to and, and really blossom and reach its fullness in contemplation kind of shared an analogy that may or may not be helpful. Meditation is a little bit more like a long-term relationship, or sorry, I keep saying long-term, long-distance relationship, where you're kind of exchanging letters, phone calls, you're getting to know each other, right? You're sharing things about one another, but there's still a little bit of of distance, whereas contemplation is really that face-to-face, heart-to-heart encounter where you're in the presence of the one that you love, And you can enter more deeply into uh, that sharing uh, of love. So we're all called to contemplation. We're all called to this intimate life of prayer with God. Um, But again, it it takes years of of generosity, of striving to follow the Lord, of growing in faith, hope, and charity. Uh, But by the grace of God, it truly is something that is attainable Uh, for all those who desire uh, to really come to know and love God uh, above all things. Uh, We're going to talk tonight about kind of a method of prayer uh, called Lexio Divina, or another name for it in the the book that I'm going to kind of base it off of is Discovery Prayer. But a reminder from last time is, is we don't know how to pray, right? None of us know how to pray. Prayer is a gift. It's something we learn from God. And so as St. Paul says, the Holy Spirit prays in us and teaches us how to pray. And so uh, we can start off with that attitude of humility, but also that sense of relief. It's not something that we have to know how to do, right? It's something that God wants to teach us, right? And he knows how to teach each of us how to pray in the way that he wants us to pray, A reminder of some of the kind of the preliminaries, which will come up again tonight. It's really important that we make a a solemn, sacred commitment that we are going to make prayer a priority, right? You don't find time for prayer. You make time for prayer, right? And giving God the first fruits, right? Really uh, choosing to give our mind and our heart to God, uh, because without prayer, as we said from uh, a quote from St. Alphonsus Ligori, he who saves will cert, or he who prays will most certainly be saved he who does not pray will most certainly be damned but in addition to that our sanctification our life of faith hope and charity uh, really depend upon prayer so we have to make that commitment we have to be determined we have to be willing to enter into prayer uh, and to never give up no matter the challenges no matter the difficulties no matter the dryness we need to have that that determined determination, St. Teresa of Avila says. Uh, Sacred time, right? When are you going to pray? We need to know when we're going to pray. It needs to be relatively consistent. We need to get into the habit so that it becomes a part of our everyday life. We need to know when we're going to pray and how long we're going to pray. And outside of some unforeseen circumstance, outside of an emergency, outside of you know, something with a child that you couldn't have foretold, right? That sacred time of prayer belongs to God. And we don't, of our own will, uh, put something else in that place, right? We give that time to God. I suggested starting off with maybe 10 to 15 minutes just to really be able to get into the routine and the habit. It's very common for, for well-meaning Catholics to overcommit themselves, and to think that they can pray more than they realistically can, and that when that becomes just untenable, they give up. So it's more prudent and more humble to start small so that you actually do it and you begin to develop that daily habit. Uh, a sacred space, where are you going to pray? Again, ideally, we would try to pray in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, and the church, but that might not always be feasible for you on a daily basis. So having a, a, a space set aside, a room in your house or a corner of a room where you have a crucifix, a Bible, some sacred art, or just a place where you can go to pray, where hopefully your family knows not to disturb you uh, during your time of prayer. Um, and then a, a sacred attention where we strive to be present Um, to prepare, to to not uh, be doing lots of other things right before we enter into prayer, because that will be distracting, preferably to pray in the morning if possible. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about a a method of prayer and why that can be very helpful, and then we'll talk about some of the challenges, some of the, the difficulties, what the Catechism calls the battle of prayer. So why do we need a method? Well, as I kind of already have mentioned we don't know how to pray and that can be a challenge that can be frustrating when we have this sincere desire to pray and we go to pray and we might you know be able to maintain it for a little bit and we we kind of tell every god tell god everything that's on our heart but then after a while we kind of run out of things to say and it's like okay what do i do next okay Now, we don't know how to pray, but one of the beautiful things about being Catholic is we have this incredible tradition of the saints who have gone before us who allowed the Holy Spirit to teach them how to pray, and then they can teach us. So in our Catholic tradition, there are beautiful uh, schools of spirituality that have developed methods of prayer that they teach to, to their Um, kind of disciples of the different religious families, the the Benedictines or the Carmelites or the Franciscans. And we can learn from the saints. We can learn a certain method of prayer that in the beginning can help us kind of get our bearings, establish a solid foundation from which we can then kind of build our own life of prayer according to what God is calling us to. So the method that I'm going to walk through tonight is called Lexio Divina, which means divine reading, or just another name for it in a book um, that I'm kind of basing some of this on. And I, there's some recommendations on the back of that handout of some books on prayer. And this is from that first one, Into the Deep, by, by Dan Burke. It, it's the same method, but he kind of came up with a, just a different title, calling it Discovery Prayer. And the idea is that you're dis, you, you discover right, the beauty, the goodness, and the love of God through prayer. But traditionally, it's referred to as Lexio Divina, Divine Reading. So some preliminaries about why why is this helpful? Well, again, one of the challenges we have in prayer is, you know, we, we're probably able to kind of tell God what's on our heart. Um, but again, that's not a conversation. That's not a dialogue. That's a monologue, right? We, we want to learn how to listen to God. But something that I'm sure we've all struggled with is like, how do i know what god is saying god god doesn't speak to me i don't hear god how do how am i supposed to listen to god well there's a really good answer to that god has spoken to us and he's spoken to us through his son right the word of god the word of god is living and alive the word of god is a person and in jesus god the father has said everything he wants to say to us and that word is handed on to us right, through tradition and through Scripture. And so Scripture, in particular, is a privileged place for us to go right, to hear what God wants to tell us. Right? God has already spoken to his people an infallible word that is valid right, for the rest of history. And so the beauty of Lexio Divina is that we don't have to try to figure out Okay, how is God speaking to me personally, individually? That will come with time. But God has spoken to his people. He's spoken to his church in an infallible way, right? And then guided by the tradition and the saints and the magisterium, we can know what God wants to tell us. And so Lectio Divina gets us immersed in the word of God in Scripture not just for the sake of reading and not just for the sake of learning, but for the sake of praying, for the sake of encountering God, right? hearing his word, and then being able to respond in faith and in love. And one of the other beautiful things about Lectio Divina, as we go through this method, is it lets God speak first. This is important, right? Who's in charge of our prayer? Are we in charge of our prayer? Do we get to decide what the content of our prayer is and how it unfolds and what it looks like? Well, we would like to. We would like to be the ones in control, but that's not actually good for us. We want to let God be in control of our prayer, which means we want to let God speak first. This is why, as we'll see, the first step of this method is to go to the Word of God and to allow God to speak to us first. He knows better than we do what we need to talk about with him, right? He knows the word that we need to hear uh, to speak to the, the, the present situation of our life, right? And prayer is more about listening than it is about speaking, right? It's more about listening than it is about speaking. And a big part of the journey of prayer is learning to let God speak, learning to listen, Learning to allow him to direct our prayer and us following with humility and faith. And so Lectio Divina allows us to really enter into this conversation with God. Again, it's not that he's going to speak to you in like an audible way. It's not that you're going to hear voices in your head. Now that can happen, but it needs to be discerned uh, with great prudence and humility. But God speaks to us through his word. That is where we know with confidence that God has spoken to us. And so we can respond to that. We can allow God to speak to us through his word. We can respond with what's in our own mind and heart. And we can enter into a real conversation, a real dialogue, a real encounter with God. So just want to walk through this method and just offer some comments. And again, you've got some of these points In that handout but again whenever we begin to prayer we want to try to right put away distractions right get rid of your phone right (laughs) turn it on airplane mode turn it off put it in a different room you do not need your now I know there's lots of apps and I know we're promoting the hallow app and, and that can be helpful okay but you also have to know yourself and for a lot of us our phone is a distraction okay so Get rid of those distractions, right? Try to find a quiet place, right? I mentioned maybe if your house is kinda noisy, maybe put some headphones on. Again, not for the sake of listening to music, but just to try to block out some of the noise. Begin with just a prayer calling upon the Holy Spirit, putting yourself in the presence of God, right? Asking him to guide you and to enlighten you during your prayer. So then Lexio Divina kinda has five steps, right? And it's important to kind of do them in order, but you also don't every time have to do all five of them. You need to let God lead. Sometimes you'll get through the whole thing. Sometimes you might only get through half of it. That's fine. It's not about checking off, you know, okay, I accomplished my prayer. It's it's a relationship. So let God lead. But the first thing we do is we read. Lectio is reading. Now, what do we read? We read the Bible, but the Bible's a really big book. So a helpful place to start is to be guided by the church. And we want to usually start with the Gospels. And the church has already divided up the four Gospels for us in little sections for every day of the year, right? And they're the Gospels that we read at Mass. And so a help, it's not the only way to do it, but a helpful way to just get into this habit and to not worry about well like how do i know what to read is you can allow the church just to guide you and you can use the daily reading uh, from mass as the kind of the the scripture passage for your Lectio Divina Uh, and i would encourage you advise you just to to start with just the gospel right every saint will tell you that the gospels are the privileged um, the privileged source for us to encounter Christ, right? They're the privileged source of our knowledge about Jesus, and, and he's really who we want to focus on when we're beginning to pray. So you take the, the gospel of the day and you read it, not just like rush through it, not for the sake of just like figuring out, okay, I, now I know what happened, but you read it prayerfully, right? You read it slowly, It's an attentive, slow, leisurely reading of the gospel. And even reading it a couple times. Possibly reading it out loud. And and really, as you're reading, right, listening, paying attention. And at first, just kind of getting a sense of, okay, what's happening? Who's in the story? Where are they? What's being said? What's the message? Uh, Initially, you're just trying to get, uh, the, the basic gist of the gospel. But again, as you're reading, you're being attentive that this is God speaking to you. And so you want to pay attention. Okay, what thoughts are coming to my mind? What memories? Um, what verse is kind of jumping out at me? Or what event is speaking to me? Is there a word that's resonating with me? Right? You're reading it not just as a lifeless. Story, you're reading it as the living word of God, recognizing that God is speaking to you directly, right, through his word, through his gospel. So you want to get the basic sense of what's happening what's the, the message, what's the truth, what's the teaching, who's there, right, where are they, uh, but you're also then kind of going to go beyond that into a, a deeper reading and a deeper reflection. Okay, so after reading the passage a couple times, you're, you're comfortable with, with what's happening uh, and you know kind of the passage. Then you're going to reflect upon it. This is the meditatio, where you're going to try to go deeper. You're just going to kind of sit with it. You're going to ask the Holy Spirit, right? Enlighten me to know what message do you have for me personally through this message? gospel passage. Jesus, what, what are you trying to say to me? Right? Kind of absorbing the meaning of the text and engaging with it prayerfully. Right? How does this apply to your life? Again, what, what is this stirring in your heart? What desires is this bringing up? What, what fears is this bringing up? How is this challenging you to, to change? Um, how is this calling you to repent? Asking the Lord, reveal to me, what is, what is the message that you have for me through this gospel passage? And this is really where, where God wants to speak a word to us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to enlighten us. Right? And, and there's different ways that you can go about this. There's uh, kind of an Ignatian method that's very imaginative, where you can try, for example, you can imagine yourself in the scene. Use your, your imagination and your senses and like what would it be like to hear Jesus say this? You know, if I'm the, the mute man, what would it be like for Jesus to put his hands on my ears? You know, if, if I'm a, a lame man or, or one of the women that Jesus healed, like what would that be like? Try to imagine prayerfully the experience of that person being healed. Or you can imagine yourself as one of the disciples what would it be like to, to be in the boat with Jesus, with this storm that's just uh, threatening your life, and, and Jesus is over there asleep? Like, what was that like for the disciples? And then they go wake him up, and he calms the storm. So it's, it's trying to, to enter into the gospel as if you were truly present. And this is one way to kind of uh, have a, an encounter with Christ, who, again, his word is is powerful. It's alive and it's effective. There is grace uh, in the Word of God. And when we reflectively, meditatively um, kind of spend some time with it, we can go more deeply into it. Right? So it's not just about study. It's not just intellectual. It starts there, but it's meant to lead down into the heart and to be uh, an encounter with what God wants to say to you. Okay? So you can ask some questions about, like, what is this text saying to me? How does it apply to my life? Where is God leading me, or what is he revealing to me? What is he asking of me? And again, this takes practice. It's something that we learn uh, through doing it. And so I'm going to talk more about this, but there might be times where it's just a real struggle, and you're just doesn't seem like you're getting a whole lot out of it. That's okay. There might be other times where it just comes like super easily and the time just flies by and you're kind of amazed at what God revealed to you. Fantastic. There are going to be other times where it's somewhere in between. Okay, so there's, it's not always going to be an identical experience and that's okay. But it's something we have to begin to practice um, because that's how we learn. We learn by doing it. We learn by allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us, again, humbly, patiently, through perseverance. But beginning with the word of God, allowing God to speak first, right? Going to his word um, to encounter him and and to hear him uh, speak into our life, right? A particular truth, a calling, a challenge uh, that can truly bring about um, a renewed sense of faith or hope or love uh, that can help us amend our life, that can help us turn away from sin, help us grow in virtue, right? The word of God is powerful and effective. So after we've given God, right, the first kind of right to speak by reading his word and by reflecting upon it, the third step, right, is to then respond. Right? And this is the oratio. And this is like what we might initially think of as prayer. This is when we get to kind of talk to God. But it's based upon what he has revealed to us. Again, it's allowing him to guide the conversation. It's allowing him to speak first. And then we respond based upon what he has revealed to us. Right? And this could be a, a dialogue, a back and forth, You know, asking questions Uh, about the passage, like, you know, um, it could bring up uh, a desire to to praise God, to thank God, uh, to repent, right, to say you're sorry. Um, You know, it could be any number of things. It's speaking to God in faith, right, from the heart, right, and this is where we can, we can bring in You know, what's going on in our life, what's weighing upon us, what we're troubled by, uh, the petitions that we might have, the things that we want to pray for. But it's kind of in the context uh, of what God has revealed to us. And again, sometimes we might have a lot to say and it might come pretty easily. Other times, you know, we just might want to sit there. Maybe there isn't a lot that we need to say and respond Again, don't expect a uniform, identical experience every time you go to prayer, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a vitality about it. There's a uniqueness about it of every day is new, right? And we let God be the one to take the initiative to direct our prayer, and we strive to follow him humbly, okay? So the responding, right? How, how is God inviting us to respond in faith, right? What do we want to tell him? What do we want to ask him? Uh, again, first in the context of what we've read, the, the, the passage of the gospel, um, but again, we can broaden it uh, to, you know, if there's things going on in our life that we need to, to talk to God about, that also uh, is, of course, a good thing to do. Okay, after we, we've kind of had this conversation, this encounter, this dialogue, where we've allowed God to speak to us and we respond in faith, um, the next step um, is, is just to kind of rest. Again, we, we need to get comfortable with silence. Our, our prayer should not be us just talking the whole time. right? There, that's part of prayer, is that uh, exchange uh, of mind and heart. But there's also an important part of prayer that, it, that is just resting with God. Just being with him, just gazing upon him, um, contemplating his beauty, uh, his truth, his goodness, and and just inviting the Holy Spirit to kind of bring us more deeply into the presence of God, to to be docile, to be open to the gift that God wants to give us. This, This contemplation that is this kind of like higher form of prayer is not something that we produce. It's not something that we bring about. It's not something that we manufacture. There's actually nothing we can do right, to bring about contemplation. It's a gift. Now, we can dispose ourselves through through prayer, through meditation, um, but it's ultimately a gift that God gives us in his time and in his way. But how we dispose ourselves to receive that gift is by faithfully right, coming into his presence and, and being attentive and being open, being patient and waiting upon the Lord. It's a very common theme uh, in the scriptures, to wait upon the Lord. And so this is a time in our prayer where we just rest with God. Right? And we just trust that, that he's working in us even if we don't know what he's doing. And, and we usually don't. And then finally, as we kind of bring our prayer to a conclusion, we want to resolve to put what God has revealed to us into practice. We want to come up with a particular resolution. How are we going to live out what God has revealed? So this encounter with God in prayer should not stay... um, sheltered within the prayer time it should permeate the rest of the day and so if god has has enlightened you or he's given you some insight uh, into you know your relationship with him or your relationship with your family or how he's calling you to respond that's something that you then want to try to put into practice throughout the rest of the day Uh, and it's good to be specific about this so like ask yourself what can I do today to respond to God's call specifically? Right? How, can I, how can I live this out? Um, and so just you know, an everyday example of you know, uh, today's gospel, uh, at the end of it, Jesus says a very f- familiar saying, Right? Whoever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Okay? So let's say that's your meditation, you're, you're praying about that, And you're feeling God calling you to to strive to embrace uh, more humility. Okay, fantastic. That's kind of a general sense of like, okay, this is what God's asking of me. If you leave it there, you're probably not going to experience the full fruit of that prayer. But if you make it more practical and more concrete and you resolve, okay, there's this specific person in my life that I struggle uh, with judging or I struggle with correcting or I struggle with thinking that I'm right and they're wrong, whatever the situation might be. Okay, with that specific person, I'm gonna make an extra effort to humble myself, to to keep my mouth closed, uh, to go out of my way uh, to show them to love or to go along with with their opinion, even if it's not mine, whatever the case might be. This resolving, this is one of the ways in which we, we really bear the fruit of prayer in our life by applying it to the actual circumstances of our life. Right? Thinking about, okay, who is it specifically, or in what way specifically is God calling me to be more humble, or to be more patient, or to be more forgiving, Right? or to imitate Jesus in his compassion for the poor. Right? You want to, to come up with a, a more concrete, practical resolution right? to, to take that fruit of prayer and apply it to your life and to really live it out. And this is one of the ways in which prayer is one of the greatest means for us to grow in virtue. Right? Because through prayer... God will reveal to us where he's inviting us to grow, where he wants to give us the grace to grow, but then we have to to put that into practice in our daily life. We have to strive to carry that out um, in our day. Okay, so this is the basic method of prayer. Again, 10 minutes might be a, a little short to try to get through all of this, but again, you don't have to do all of it every day. You can let God kind of lead you through it, but, You know, 10 to 15 minutes of prayerfully reading the gospel of the day, right? Meditating upon it, responding to what God is kind of putting on your heart, spending some time just to rest with him and then resolve to to put that into practice. That is a a very uh, traditional, very time-tested, very effective way of, of beginning this practice of mental prayer and meditation. Okay, I wanna talk about uh, the battle of prayer. Like, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the difficulties that we should anticipate? And, and how can we respond to them? So something I've already mentioned is that we don't know how to pray, right? And that can be frustrating at the beginning and even long after the beginning where we go to pray and maybe we're just starting or maybe we've been doing it for years and we just still have this sense of like, I'm just not good at this. That's not a bad place to be because, again, humility, humility, humility. But also recognizing that, that prayer is kind of a skill. Right? It's something that takes time to learn. If you think about anything else in life, right? any, any skill, any activity, um, whether that's your, your career, whether that's a particular you know, skill uh, of work, whether that's music, whether that's sports, Right? Excellence takes dedication, it takes practice, it takes perseverance. Uh, it takes years of doing something regularly uh, to get good at it. And so we don't want to have this like overly um, unreal expectation that, okay, I'm going to start praying and in the back of my head, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna be Saint John of the Cross in a couple weeks. You're not, right? Um, and that's okay, right? Because God wants to teach us humility and he wants to teach us patience. So uh, the, it takes years and, and even decades to become right, masters of prayer, right? But the saints can show us the way, but we have to persevere We have to be humble, because as we're we're praying, right, over the course of weeks and months and years, at the same time, we're going to be growing in virtue. We're going to be uh, being purified of sin and imperfection, because prayer and virtue, right, mutually benefit and influence one another. So that's also going to then lead to uh, a deeper spirit of prayer as we grow in our faith, as we grow uh, in following Christ. Um, something we can be frustrated by is having the experience of prayer and, and seeming like, just Father, it just seems like nothing's really happening. I don't seem to be getting anything out of prayer. Okay? Well, we want to ask ourselves, well, what's our, what's our perspective there? Are we seeing prayer as something about us or about God? Is it about what I get out of it, or is it about growing in my knowledge and love of God? Right? Obviously, it's the latter. But again, the true fruit of prayer is often not seen while we're praying. The true fruit of prayer is usually seen in the rest of our day with whether or not we're growing in virtue. So a, kind of a, an everyday just example or analogy for this is like, it's kind of like filling up your car with gas. Right? might not always be the most exciting experience of your day, okay? But if you drive a lot and you don't fill up your car with gas, like eventually that's gonna cause a problem. Now, just an analogy, but in our moral life, in our, in our spiritual life, if we're not praying, we're gonna eventually be running on empty, right? Prayer is, is the, the energy, the fuel of our spiritual life. Without it, we will eventually run dry and, and not go any further. Right? It's something we have to do every day to kind of fill up with spiritual fuel right? to be able to then do God's will throughout our day. Right? Prayer is what enables us to follow God more faithfully. Right? Without prayer, we will never grow in virtue. We will never grow um, in our love for God or our love for our neighbor. But we can see the real fruit of prayer. We can see that prayer is actually bringing about a real change and growth in our life when we see ourselves growing in virtue, when we see ourselves growing in our love of God and love of neighbor, when we have a greater desire to serve God, right, and to love Him with our whole heart, right? That comes about as the fruit of faithful prayer. So don't get caught up so much in like evaluating your experience in prayer but rather trust that if you faithfully, right, if you faithfully show up, that God is is faithful, and your prayer is bearing fruit, even if you don't see it, even if you don't experience it, right? Leave the fruit to God, right? Don't worry about that so much, because it's not up to you. It's not in your control to determine and decide, right, how, how your prayer goes, whether or not it's super enlivening and uh, consoling, whether or not it's very dry and dark, that's not up to you, right? You you don't get to determine that. But the the promise of God is that if we are faithful, right, giving him that time, showing up and and striving to be faithful to prayer, then he will bring about uh, great fruit in our lives. So don't worry about like evaluating your prayer or, or you being the one to kind of make sure that your prayer is fruitful. That's up to God. We have to do our part, right? We have to strive to be attentive, to be, to be faithful, um, but he'll do the rest. All right, what about distractions? Everybody gets distracted in prayer and this can be a big obstacle. It's like, Father, I'm so distracted. Well, oh, welcome to the club, okay? Everybody's distracted. You're not unique in that. That's the human experience. Um, Some things that can help is is to think about like the sacred time, the sacred space, the sacred attention. If you get into the habit of praying at the same time every day, if you get into the habit of praying in the same place every day, uh, that will help. It won't get rid of distractions, but it will help minimize them because you'll kind of get used to, okay, this is my time for prayer. Um, and I don't have my phone, I don't have the internet, I don't have, you know, whatever. Um, Also, just, you know, it's usually recommended to pray in the morning if you're able to, because there's usually less distractions, like praying before you get on your phone, before you check your email, before you see the news. Kind of one of the first things that you do, if you get into that habit, That will at least help a little bit with distractions. But they're still gonna be there, right? Everybody will get distracted. And the best thing to do with distractions is just to, to, I know it sounds simple, but just to try to ignore them and to not get worked up about it. That's actually giving in to the distraction, is when you you start to get bothered by, like, why am I so distracted? And, you know, we, we try to, like, fight off the distraction which actually turns our attention to the distraction. So you must want to learn how just to, like, just to try to ignore it, just to not let it even draw your, your attention. Now, again, this is hard and it, it takes practice, but we want to just try to ignore them and just turn back to prayer. It's like you find yourself, oh, I got distracted. Okay, back to prayer. Every time you turn back to God, that's, a, that's an efficacious, meritorious thing that is very pleasing to God. So here's a quote from uh, Into the Deep that I think is kind of helpful. Um, To set about hunting down distractions would be to fall into their trap when all that is necessary is to turn back to our heart. For a distraction reveals to us what we are attached to. And this humble awareness before the Lord should awaken our preferential love for him and lead us resolutely to offer him our heart to be purified. Therein lies the battle, the choice of which master to serve. So, distractions are going to come. It's inevitable. And none of us can perfectly get rid of them in this life, not through our efforts. Okay? So, to just, when they come, just to try to not give them the time of day. Don't give in to them by like trying to work your way through them. You can just offer them to God. Jesus, I offer you this distraction. Use it as an opportunity just to turn back to God. Don't get worked up about it. Don't let it disturb your peace, right? It's inevitable. Um, Our intellect and our imagination and our memory are not perfectly within our control. It's not humanly possible to be 100% undistracted, right? God is the only one who can bring about that perfect kind of harmony and peace of mind. And that is something that he can do uh, in the higher kind of stages of prayer. But it's not something that we can do through our human efforts. So it's a little bit counterintuitive, but one of the best ways to, to deal with distractions is, is to not get worked up about it, to not worry about them. Right? Just to kind of peacefully try to turn back to God, to offer him the distraction, and just to try to let it go. Again, that's something that we can get better at with time and with practice. What about dryness in prayer or darkness in prayer where we we go to pray and and maybe for weeks, sometimes for months, sometimes even for years, there might be just a sense of God's absent or it doesn't seem like I'm experiencing any consolation. My prayer is very dry uh, and dark and difficult. Uh, And again, counterintuitively, this is a really good sign. This is normal, this is something you should expect. This is something that happens to everyone who is committed to prayer and striving to grow in prayer. It is normal to have times of dryness and difficulty and darkness in prayer. Because again, it's not up to us what our experience of prayer is, it's up to God. And He knows what's best for us. And sometimes we need to be purified. Sometimes we're too attached to our feelings and to our emotions, to our consolations. Sometimes we're too attached uh, to praying in the way that we want to pray. And God has to purify us of those attachments to ourself and to our own will and to see if we're willing to love him, right? Selflessly, disinterestedly, To love him for his own sake and to persevere in prayer, even when it's difficult and dry and when part of us might not want to do it. That's when we're truly challenged to grow in our faith and in our love. Are we going to pray anyways? It's not that big a deal for us to pray when it's easy. To pray when we have lots of free time. The true test is, are we willing to pray when it's hard, when we're distracted, when it's dry, to pray when we're suffering, to pray when we're incredibly busy? That's when it's truly necessary and important for us to pray. Um, To kind of conclude with just some practical advice for prayer, Uh, Again, going back to that commitment, it's one of the most important aspects of prayer. It's it's one of the things that Jesus talks about in his parables of prayer uh, is perseverance. Perseverance, 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 and kind of with that patience, because you probably won't progress as quickly as you would like to. But there's there's good fruit in that if we grow in humility, if we grow in patience, uh, and if we persevere. Again, St. Teresa of Avila, a determined determination to never give up. If you never give up praying, you will continually grow in prayer. Not in the way that you might imagine. Not in the way that you might think should happen. Not at the the rate that you would like it to happen. But again, those things are up to God. What we get to decide is whether or not we're going to, to show up to be faithful Um, to follow through on that commitment, uh, to persevere in prayer, Uh, no matter the dryness, no matter the difficulties, no matter what obstacles might come up, no matter what distractions might come up, is to persevere in prayer. Uh, That really is the most important thing um, on our side uh, to to really enter into uh, a life of prayer. Okay, we have maybe about 10 minutes left. I, I do want to maybe give some time uh, just to see if there are any questions um, about Lexio Divina or any practical things that I've talked about. Um, and then I might have a few more things to say, but I want to give you guys an opportunity if there are any questions. Okay. to be distracted during prayer. Do you feel like Satan is always against uh, us wanting to pray and he has some play in uh, our distractions? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I wouldn't, yeah. When it comes to our human nature, one of the things we always want to keep in mind is that our, our humanity has fallen. Right? We're, we're affected by sin. We're affected by original sin. We're affected by, by our own sins. Right? And so that creates a lack of harmony in our soul where we're, we're not in complete control of ourselves. And, and part of the process of sanctification is, is reacquiring that kind of that interior harmony, that interior peace, where we're not kind of conflicted and constantly kind of torn. Um, but again, that's part of the long process of of growth and sanctification. But absolutely the devil plays a role in trying to come up with all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't pray. It's one of the things that he most wants to stop us from doing. So he's gonna, he's gonna introduce excuses, right? Obstacles, difficulties, reasons why you have more important things to do, you know? And then when you do pray, absolutely there's an element of him uh, trying to distract us, right? trying to accuse us, to bring up our sins. You're not worthy of prayer. Who do you think you are to pray? Um, there are all kinds of tactics uh, that he can use. keep talking for just a little bit, but please feel free to ask questions. Um, I wanted to highlight uh, the role of our mother, um, because the the catechism does in the section on prayer, uh, and just the important place that she plays uh, in our life of prayer. So the catechism says that Mary is the perfect prayer, right? Prayer, the perfect prayer, a figure of the church. And when we pray to her, right, we're adhering with her to the plan of the Father, like the beloved disciple, we, we welcome Jesus' mother into our homes, for she has become the mother of all the living. So we can look to Mary as a model of prayer. Right? Again, not just in the good times, not just in the easy times, but especially perhaps at the foot of the cross. Right? Mary is, is praying in a perfect way um, throughout her entire life, but uh, the, the culmination of that. Is, is at the cross, and then she's there at Pentecost interceding for the church. Um, one of the ways that we can obviously pray uh, to her and ask her intercession is, is through the rosary. And one of the things about the rosary that I just wanted to highlight is it really does include all three categories of prayer. Again, maybe not in every time we pray it, we don't feel this way. But again, that's why it takes humility and perseverance. So there's obviously vocal prayer. Uh, with the rosary. There's meditation upon the mysteries of, of the rosary. But again, that can lead into a, a type of contemplation. Um, where John Paul II would talk about contemplating the face of Christ with Mary. And again, that doesn't have to include words. Doesn't have to include ideas or you know pious thoughts. Sometimes it's just a simple you know, like gazing upon Uh, The the Eucharist, gazing upon the crucifix, um, that's that's a beautiful type of contemplative prayer. Where with Mary, uh, through her intercession, uh, we're just gazing upon her son, we're meditating upon his mysteries. Um, I think you probably have all heard just how many saints um, have encouraged us to pray the rosary. The the Catechism also talks about uh, one of the challenges of prayer. When it seems like our prayer is not answered, when it seems like our prayer is not fruitful, when it seems like God is not present, when it seems like he's ignoring us, all of these kind of things that become obstacles for us, that become uh, excuses or reasons to stop praying, that become temptations from the evil one. And so the Catechism highlights this idea of just filial trust, right? And that our trust in God proves itself in tribulation, in trial, right? God tests us. He tests our faith because initially our motives might not be entirely selfless, right? Our motives might include, because we're all human, Right? Some some self-interest where sometimes we're praying kind of more for ourselves than necessarily uh, to love God. And so we have to be purified of that. Uh, and, and that comes about through these trials and these tribulations. But if we persevere right, in faith, then we can come through those trials and tribulations to the other side. Where we can experience, even in this life, uh, a profound... Encounter and a profound foreshadowing of the face to face vision of God in heaven. Now, we can't have the beatific vision in this life, but if we persevere through these trials in faith, with generosity, with humility, with prayer, we can kind of pass through uh, the cross, right? And and experience a, a foreshadowing and a glimpse of the resurrection. Uh, through this intimate encounter and communion with God in prayer. So why don't we conclude? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.